On behalf of a wholeness podcast and the Yoga Barber, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on the land in which this podcast is being recorded, the Gunai Kurnai Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Welcome to a wholeness podcast. A healthy home for hair professionals and our clients. I'm your host, Fliss Downs, aka The Yoga Barber. Come on in. Aliba! Hello everybody, welcome to episode four and have I got a special guest for you. I'm so thrilled and excited and felt so privileged to be having conversations with Jack Case. Oh my goodness, what a bloody great conversation this was. This guy has so much knowledge and experience to be sharing with you guys. I'm so excited for you to be hearing this conversation I've had with Jack, where we discuss his journey in the hair industry, his journey into practicing yoga, as well as going to men's retreats, and how he then became a facilitator for men's retreats. This guy is literally phenomenal. He holds so much grace within himself, but has has found so much strength mentally, emotionally and spiritually through his wellness journey. I cannot wait to bring this to you. So let's get stuck into it. Oh, so I didn't get to chat to Earl this morning, unfortunately. So as much as I was gutted that, you know, Earl and I didn't get a catch up, we're going to catch up on Wednesday. So I'm super excited to be chatting to him. So thank you so much for like, yeah, putting me in his direction and stuff. I got put in, in his direction was because... My friend Sean, who um, runs the men's retreats that I've been going on for a couple of years, who I'm good friends with now, and mm. he went and did some leadership training through the Sacred Sons earlier this year. And then while he was over there, he was like videoing a few things they were up to. And I noticed there was someone in the background doing haircuts. And um, yeah. I asked Sean about that. And yeah, he said, oh, there's... Um, there's a guy here, Earl, who um, who's like providing haircuts to some of the guys here, like in the spare time, and it kind of gave me a bit of an idea of stuff we could do on on our retreats, and um, yeah, that's what prompted me to reach out to him to see what his kind of whole ethos behind his his work and doing that mm. for, for men on 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 those men's retreats were and um yeah we had yeah we had a good conversation and he gave provided me with some support and some ideas leading up to the retreat I just went on oh man I can't wait to chat to him because he does so much doesn't he like you know in terms of what he does towards the community you know his hats and Mm. barbering and yeah and I I was just like wow actually this guy is pretty profound I was like he's going to be a really good person to chat to like definitely a good person to chat to particularly you know like like well all three of us you know we're in the hair industry but yet we also like love the wellness side and things and it's just like yeah I'm like I'm finding my people (laughs) they're just not in person with me they're online somewhere else (laughs) yeah that's it that's the beautiful thing about now is that we can do um we can like connect with people online and um and those connections, you still feel them, you know, they still feel these heartfelt connections 
even if we are chatting virtually on Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. It's, it's really cool. I agree. It is awesome. Well, you've been working from home for how long now? 18 months since I started. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in total, what you've been in the industry for about seven years in total, right? Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of your apprenticeship, was that a four-year apprentice? Sort of, what did that look like? And, yeah, how you said that you was in your first shop for four and a half years. So, was that entirely as an apprentice or was your apprenticeship like two or three years? Like, talk me through that process. So, my process of starting work as a barber was not like your usual it was a little bit I want to say not backwards in the sense in a negative sense but we just did it I rocked up to this barber shop that I'd heard about it was out the back of a cafe down uh the there's a there's a boat harbor like a marina near where I used to live with my parents hmm. and I went down there to check it out and I met the bloke who ended up being my my boss his name's Rob and I uh, had a haircut from him at this point in time I was working in hospitality and just got chatting to him and during that time expressed my interest in hair and how I've always been interested in hair I would assume he could sense my passion and then he he just asked if I wanted to start an apprenticeship with him next year yeah and I just started working this was yeah like November or December 2015 mm-hmm. and then at the start January at the start 2016 I excuse me I started working on the floor straight away and he had me doing $15 haircuts and he just started his own business there so clients weren't flowing through the door so he he had quite a little bit of time to like talk me through haircuts he was doing um, mm. at that point in time because there weren't too many people waiting and then when I got people through the door, he could, um, who were my mates or mm-hmm. people I'd ended up getting in or off the street or whatever for a, <laughs> for a haircut. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he could fully assist me with that process. Mm. And um, a couple of months later, he met a few guys who were his clients and then they actually came in the business with him and they took over the lease of the whole shop because there was a cafe up the front that were right. owned by different people. So they took on the lease of the whole shop together. Um, my original employer, Rob, and then these two other guys worked together and the two new guys uh, took over the lease of the cafe and they started running the cafe in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, during this time... Free coffee. They, these two... Yeah, it was so good. Um, during this time, these guys knew a lot of people around Perth, had lots of friends or whatever. So lots of new people started flocking in and, and naturally we had like, uh, like new barbers coming to work for us as well. From that point in time, in, in 20, 2016, I started getting more clients and just building up a client base. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until two years of working there without any, I guess, like schooling in barbering mm-hmm. that um, we realized that you could actually go to a TAFE and do a, a, a proper apprenticeship in barbering. Okay, so awesome. I'd already been working two years in the barbershop, building yeah. up my client base while the cafe and barbershop were getting busy and popular. And we were having, eventually we had seven barbers working in there. Wow. Um, so you was basically becoming a barber before you did 
a qualification. So you were becoming a barber without even doing your apprentice. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> just goes to show how we can just learn and we don't even have to necessarily have the qualification, right? Like we can literally just do that's the it. job. Like massively. Definitely. And like how how important do you think it was for you to like start your career by physically standing in front of a barber, watching them do the work and then actually have that person be by your side and talk you through a haircut as you're doing it. Like for you, how how important do you mm. feel like that was and how did that impact yourself moving into then doing an apprentice? For me, it really gave me a sense of like what it actually took to be a barber immediately. It gave me a sense of like the, the energy that I have to come up with um, what, you know, how socially demanding it is, um, how I had to build up my own client base on my own from the beginning. Mm. Um, it gave me a sense of, because I was so ready, I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do on people and I wasn't sort of standing around sweeping hair waiting for my final chance, like, you know, waiting for my chance to, to step in and start barbering. I was able to do that immediately um, mm -hmm. it really helped me develop my own personal style and preference I guess capabilities early on um, I always tell people it, it really helped me having that um, experience before stepping into TAFE as well because I, uh, I already had a client base and I already knew how to do a good haircut at that, yeah. at that point in time so going into TAFE I, I could I could get more out of it and mm -hmm. it really helped me um, put processes to things like cement why I do things in a certain way you know it mm -hmm. helped me give me it helps give me an ability to explain what I'm doing and know why as well mm -hmm. so that helped me you know tell explain that back to my clients and and in turn help me sort of trust myself more so that my clients can trust me with what I'm doing yeah and when you went into your apprentice did you really notice the difference of the experience that you'd already had for like those two years versus maybe other students who'd literally was like I'm going to become a barber so therefore I'm going to go and do my apprentice so did you notice a big difference in terms of um let's say the ex the well definitely the experience but like the quality of work or the confidence within students that this was literally their first time stepping into the barbering scene versus yourself who'd been in the barbering scene for two years prior to that so did you see the dif the differences and um did you feel like you was also although you was a student did you also feel like you was a partly like a leader within that um student environment yeah I felt I, like I definitely did notice the difference. I would say that there were still areas that I weren't, wasn't confident in, that um, like longer hair, layering. Mm -hmm. There were so many areas of barbering and hairdressing because we did some hairdressing units in, in the barbering course because they both yeah. cross over mm -hmm. um, that I was able to, you know, step into and learn. And to your other question. There were definitely times in uh, in class and in school that I felt like um, I, I could see I could see the difference. You know, I felt like I was able to bring in my clients, 
and use them as models for assessments. And I, I never had any trouble with that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in that sense, uh, maybe I was able to help others as well. I can't remember anything off the top of my head where I was, but I, I, I feel like I feel like yeah, I feel like I was I was I was I feel like I was able to be a bit more of a teacher's pet in the sense that because <laughs> I already knew things about it, I wanted to, I, I wanted the teacher to like explain more, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. I could really grasp like why. And maybe maybe that helped others, I hope. Yeah. So how old was you when you went yeah. and started your apprentice? Twenty-five when I when I went to when I went into TAFE to do my apprenticeship. And that was one day a week for eighteen months. So um, you managed to qualify yeah, in eighteen months. months. Yeah, because the way it works in um I don't know about the rest of Australia. I think it's a nationwide thing mm. for barbering on its own. Uh, a barbering apprenticeship is three years, but it's competency based. So right. um, it might be it might be different now, but this is what it was for me. And only eighteen months of that is study. The rest of the eighteen months is in salon. But because I'd already done all that um, work before, mm -hmm. my employer Rob signed me off pretty much as soon as I was I was done with with TAFE. So. That's amazing. Yeah, because I'd already finished all the units of TAFE, and and the idea is, is for the employer is that you know they can keep them on as an apprentice as an apprentice until until they're ready to sign them off at least for mm -hmm. the next eighteen months. Yeah. 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 So after you completed your apprentice and your employer signed you off, you you continued staying there for a little bit before you then started doing four days in a different shop and then you also did one day of your own barbering yeah so actually as soon as I got signed off uh, my original employer Rob sold the business to uh, to new owners mm -hmm. and then they asked me if I if I could manage the shop for them yeah awesome um, because they actually were a corporate company so they were had bought into the business and they had an office in the city so they weren't uh, nearby so they asked me to to manage the shop and there were um, three three other staff members at yeah. that point in time and um, so I did that for the next year and that was through into 2019 into into 2020 I believe yeah mm, and yeah. Um, that was when obviously COVID kicked off yeah, March decided, 2020, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> the joy the that we went role. through. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, was, uh, it was an interesting time for sure. And I think that's kind of what shook things up for me when I had a bit of time off yeah. during that first um, lockdown mm -hmm. when everything was a bit confusing. And I realised that the, the management role wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And it was just taking taken a lot out of me like um trying to liaise with the owners and keep them up to date with everything going on whilst also being fully booked in the shop mm. um, like it was kind of I was out of balance there like yeah. if I was maybe like off the tools and more in that management role yeah I would have been able to do it but it was it was mm -hmm. too much for me at the time so I I decided I wanted 
a change. So I handled, I gave them my notice and then had some time off. And then I started yeah. working at Stamford Barbers. And I went there because they had quite a big barbershop and big team. And I've met um, a few of the guys there, including the owner, Jamie, mm. I've met her, mm-hmm. uh, before as well. So started working there and yeah, it was amazing. Like good, really good shop, um, really connected with like quite a lot of the people who work there and, and yeah. still, still catch up with a couple of people here and there. Um, mm-hmm. even after I've left nice um, it's really important when we decide to leave a place whether we're in the hair industry or not I think it's always really important to leave on good terms and you know the thing is you know 100%. reality is uh, reality is though Jack and I don't, don't know about you even when you was in hospitality you know oh. for me I've left some places on not good terms but on other in other places oh. I have left on good terms and yeah, I think, you know, if you can maintain that relationship and walk away um, knowing that you can always, like, stay in contact with the, the, the barbershop owner or, you know, your work colleagues who you work with for so long, I think that within itself is, I think that that's just, I don't know, sort of, it makes you feel much better leaving a place, doesn't it, when you can actually walk away and have a yeah. good relationship with them and there be no sort of um hard feelings before hard feelings between yourself and the the employer kind of thing so yeah that's really nice that you can walk away from it and um still be in touch with them and everything i accidentally um ordered some products the other week too uh because my at the salon suppliers my address was still at the old barber shop because it was the first time I'd ordered. Usually I'd go in and grab stuff, but and then I realised my order hadn't come, and then I I was like, oh no, it's it's gone to Stanford. So I popped in and grabbed it. So it's just being able to do stuff like that, mm. you know, without any animosity or awkwardness. And I, I yeah. feel like for me, like this is my career at the moment, so I I want to be around and have worked around people who are like-minded and feel um, like we're part of a community, mm. you know, mm-hmm. even if you're not working with that person, I feel like that's where like barbering and hairdressing is going and, and needs to continue going, you know, mm. we need to be able to like actually lift each other up rather than stomp each other down on, on the way up. Yeah, absolutely. And like, well, we discussed that, didn't we, when we were last chatting is actually you know, bringing the hair community together rather than competing against one another. And that's, I think that's something that, you know, based on what we were chatting about last time, it's something that we both witnessed in the hair industry is, you know, the competition and yeah. and how unhealthy it can be. And yet here sort of we are um, wanting to collaborate and and create community within the hair industry and bring people together and actually go, you know what, we're not against one another. We're actually working towards the same thing so where's this competitiveness come from so yeah like you know when you do sort of walk away from a shop and there's so much within like for instance in contracts you know you can't work within this amount of um mile radius because we don't want you to take our clients etc etc but we're all just in this at the same same for the same thing really aren't we absolutely yeah yeah for me like it's um providing people with uh choices on on what they what they are able to do with their like sense of identity visually Mm. 
and you know um, empower them and their and their self worth, and that um, that is like a huge underlying factor to what I do with with barbering and, and my and my clients. And generally, a lot of the conversations we have, I have in here, because I'm interested in it the most, uh, tend to be around like uh, lifestyle routine um, exercise. Um, like hobbies and interests and, and uh, just checking in with people really. So mm. I feel like um, that's what it's all about for me. Like uh, there are some other things, obviously other interests that might seem a bit more surface level or um, materialistic as well. Like, I don't know, interest in, in cars and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's pretty normal as well. Yeah, yeah. The weather, holidays. <laughs> yeah, it's what we're known for in the hair holidays. industry, isn't it? We're known for talking about the weather yeah. and the holidays. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Because mm. they're things that affect everyone, aren't they? So Absolutely, gotta, yeah. You like, can't... I feel like you've got you to gotta touch those subjects, hey? You've got to, like... Yeah. You've got to, like, uh, scratch the surface of... Um, with small talk to be able to actually move on to the 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 deeper stuff, I suppose. Absolutely, like you know. Or you don't of, even have to move on to the deeper stuff, if you. No, you know, and as much as you know, the sort of surface level conversation, like the weather and holiday, does and can bore me. Actually, like you say, these sorts of things like your holidays and weather does impact our clients. It impacts us as well, you know, sort of mm. if it's a rainy day, how do I how is our mood? If it's a sunny day, what's our mood like? You know, are we looking forward to a holiday because we're needing a break from work or from our life? And that's the same, just the same as with our clients. Right. You know, they're they're slaving away just like what we do in our industry and you know they could be in any sort of industry whether that's hospitality whether that's care or um you know being an it person whatever they're still working and they're still needing a holiday so you know just as much as like we find the holiday and the weather conversations to be surface level conversations like you say those conversations then can lead to deeper conversations should that yeah. that conversation arise and should that conversation lead to it you know and it's not for everybody it's not for every client is it um yeah not all clients want to go into absolutely a deep conversation. um and that's where like as a barber and as a hairdresser we need to meet our clients needs and um be able to read them you know ha where yeah. where can this conversation go um so yeah it's like you say yeah. it's sort of it is one of those things that you just gotta um you you monitor as the conversation unravels right that's it yeah and the, for the people who don't want to go there at that point in time that's totally okay as well because you know you've got to you've got to have they've got to have boundaries with what they're willing to open up about and if if that's the case and then we sort of just sit in in silence as well that's like or just or just talk about um yeah, talk about uh, anything else, sort of, yeah, like the weather and holidays. That's that's totally fine for me. I think yeah. I used to, I used to kind of resent it a little bit, maybe in the first couple of years, and then I started realizing the necessity of it, the necessity uh -huh. of like doing the little dance of small talk 
because it's just it's just an exchange it's just a it's like common courtesy you know um and uh I, yeah i feel like it's necessary absolutely and the thing is is you know what i've really been thinking about recently is actually putting like a little sign on my mirror saying if you wish to have your hair cut in silence please let me know because we're no yeah. mind readers right and there are some clients out there that yeah. literally just don't want to have a discussion and sometimes it's really easy to pick up and engage and realize that that client doesn't want to have a full-on discussion and just wants to sit in silent but actually giving the client that opportunity to say you know for instance you know oh fliss i see your sign there actually would you mind if i just sit in silence and maybe close my eyes whilst you cut my hair i'd be like absolutely go ahead and be my guest and relax and chill and i just you know would just crack on with what i need to do and and we go from there right so do you feel like when that happens like if that if that were to happen or when it, when that's happened so a client just closes your eyes and then do you feel like you can get into like a relaxed state or you you do you feel like part of you feels uncomfortable or yeah I mean you know I guess once a client does close their eyes and I can tell they're relaxed number one I know brilliant that's great this person can feel relaxed in my presence like that is a, one of the top priorities for me with my clients is I want my client to feel comfortable to feel relaxed in the um chair and everything you know yeah absolutely and then number two i think it's it definitely gives me that sense of you know i don't now need to perform for this client i don't need to make sure that conversations are flowing i also don't need to maybe you know if there does become a bit of a silent moment i then don't need to think about you know nothing's whirling around in my head going right what's the next thing that i can say because as you probably know, yeah. all of us who are within the hair industry, you know, we can be standing there cutting hair, having a good conversation, then that conversation might come to an end. And then there's a little bit of silence. And then in my head, I'm like whirling around going, right, what's the next thing that I can say to provoke a second conversation or a third or a fourth within that 30 minute appointment mm. as such. But yeah, definitely for me, when a client does close their eyes, and I can sense and tell that they are in that um that uh what would be the word that they are in that ambience not ambience i'm trying to think of the word in that mindset or relaxed state i know that i yeah. then don't need to perform i then go into this relaxed state and i'm like brilliant this is great and it also gives mm. me um i don't know about you jack and i think you, you'll possibly be the same with me on this one is it gives me an opportunity to rest my vocal cords and rest my energy and it gives me an oh, opportunity yeah. to, you know, it gives me an opportunity to actually recuperate um, for however many minutes that client wishes to sit there with their eyes closed. It's like, wow, yeah, I can, I can rejuvenate within this period of time because, you know, we put out so much to our clients and we don't sometimes give our, our voice a rest. So as soon as I get that client that, you know, I even get a couple of clients that say, oh, sorry if I fall asleep. And I'm like, be my guest, you know, fall asleep yeah, in my chair no, if you want to. I, you know, I think are, a lot do of you resonate with that, Jack? Absolutely. Yeah, I feel I feel like a lot of people who do come in and get tired from, obviously, because you're sitting there and you're not on your phone um, and you're like, you don't have a screen in front of you. Um, 
and if the conversation dies and that's totally normal mm. or or they're just tired or whatever um just because you're sitting it's totally normal to kind of after 15 20 minutes to sort of feel a bit like a bit woozy and like there are a lot of people who are apologetic about that mm. and like um I just want to create a space where that's, you know, okay, that's totally allowed because we don't get much of a chance in this modern sort of way of living where you, you get half an hour to 45 minutes to an hour, you know, to yourself um, just to sit there. So mm. I, want, I want to be able to meet the needs of others in, in that sense. Um, but something I've been working on lately are my people-pleasing tendencies because mm. it is a perfect job to be a people pleaser. Um, and I noticed that from when my client arrived in the past, from the time that my client arrived, I have, I would say because I'm more introverted, I've had to like extrovert myself and put this like um, a bit of uh, performance on, like you said before. And mm. lately, over the last couple of years, I've been noticing how much that has an impact on on my own life like how 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 much how how depleted I feel by the end of the day especially since I've moved into this house a year ago and I'm not in a share house anymore which I originally was when I started working from home I feel mm. like I can really concentrate on um, being authentic to myself from when someone rocks up at the door you know mm -hmm. when they ask how I am because I am paying closer attention to how I'm feeling emotionally um, and mentally and physically through practices like meditation in the morning. Um, I've checked in with myself. I know how I'm feeling. I can actually communicate that to people when they, when they ask. And I feel like in doing that, that allows them to then think about how they're actually doing. And it also makes it okay for them to communicate how truly how they're feeling as well. So it actually opens up the doors and opens up the space a little bit for some genuine conversation and expression. So I feel like I've been working on that a lot lately, trying to be less performative because it is a, it is a performance-based job for sure, you're leading the whole experience, you know, you're leading the conversation, unless you've got someone in the chair who's like really energetic and takes the lead in the conversation, which I, I, don't, I don't mind either, you know, it lets me take a back seat too. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I've been focusing on that lately. So that's, I, I know sometimes when I slip back into it, like it's not just a linear process. So yeah, it's, that's something I'm working on at the moment and it's been interesting. What have you um, noticed the most from being authentic and like tuning into yourself and where you're actually emotionally and mentally at and then really truly authentically sharing that with your clients? What have you noticed through your own clients? You say that they feel like they can be more open with yourself because you've actually been true and honest with how and where you're at during the day and during the week as such. I feel like whether it's immediately then or like a couple of haircuts or conversations down the track, it's either planting the seed for it to be okay for them to do the same. Like I said, whether it's right then or like further down the track, because sometimes I might say something, uh, how I'm feeling or be vulnerable with my client about something that's going on or whether it's, you know, positive, whether it's like a challenge or a win. And then 
they might respond in the same way where they can relate to it and then tell a story that resonate where, where it resonates with them or mm. they might not say anything at all and change the subject because it could be too much for them and that's where I notice what's okay with them and what's not but because I've done that just because they're not ready then doesn't mean they might not be ready down the track I feel like me doing that and being true to myself and expressing how I'm feeling what I'm doing actions I'm taking at that point in time and what I'm up to is is uh, it definitely opens up the space for especially you know this this little space in here for it to be okay to authentically express and like tap into tap into the uh heart center and you was mentioning mm-hmm. as well about your meditation at how sort of how you can you know you're tuning in with how you're actually feeling because like you say we're in a people pleasing industry but for you to actually go right where am I at today and you mentioned about meditation well I guess through meditation you've also did you find meditation before yoga or did you find yoga before meditation if you can remember that far back because you've been practicing yoga for some years haven't you (laughs) yeah like on and off in the beginning I think I was probably aware of yoga first. I was probably aware of yoga first through my mum because she's, I think she's, yeah, I just remember her going off to classes from a young age and then um, her always talking about it and then maybe showing us things at home to then like eventually going to a class with her uh, as a teenager. And then I think it was, yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like I've sort of got into meditation on my own. That was my own mm. thing. And then yoga was probably like an influence through my mum. Have you been practicing yoga from what sort of age? In the beginning, it was kind of sporadic. I'd just go like every now and then. And then I started a home practice, which was like, I'd go through phases of being good at practicing like every morning. Mm. Um, and this was probably... When I was doing it sporadically, that was like when I was a teenager. And then in my early 20s, I was going through phases of practicing it more regularly. And then I met a client who is a yoga teacher. His name's Neil. He's an amazing man. And when I started working from home, we started trading haircuts for yoga. So I go to his yoga classes. He gets haircuts. And that's been a more recent thing over the last couple of years over the last five Mm. years I've probably been practicing quite a bit more regularly although the last month or so I've been off the wagon with the yoga journey I love that concept how there's so much in life where we trade money and people come to us and they're paying for a service but the fact that you and Neil can gift one another a a service but without any money transaction I think that's just beautiful I love that you can do that and you help him by giving him a haircut making him feel good you looking after him for that 30 minutes 45 minutes however long he's in your chair for but yet then you can go to a yoga class and be able to be looked after through Neil so I love the exchange of that it's more of an energetical exchange of service and I don't know about you but if I was in your position you know I wouldn't feel like I was serving that person because there's no money transaction I was just doing it out of the goodwill of of wanting to do that for that person do you feel the difference between sort of that versus then your clients that are paying clients I mean obviously we can't 
trade every client for something in return, such as, you know, yoga. We can't do that with all of our clients, but do you feel a difference versus with Neil, knowing that you've got this gorgeous energy transaction without money versus your clients where there is that money transaction? Now that you come to mention it, I do notice a difference in that. Sometimes I um, figure out ready for them to pay and then I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, that's just a force of habit thing. But I feel like it is, I definitely feel the difference and I feel having this skill where I'm able to offer that gift to someone of a haircut, it's a beautiful trade to be able to actually trade with, you know. Like I've got a friend who helped me fit stuff to my car and I'm able to offer him a haircut on the house and various other people like if I needed a sparky to help me with something in the house or an accountant it's just a beautiful thing that you can do a nice trade Mm. say thank you with and express gratitude by saying that you can have this as a gift yeah I love that so Neil's been one of your yoga teachers for the last few years yeah. And when we were last discussing things, we were saying about how the stereotype around men getting involved with yoga, what we were discussing mm. about how a lot of guys are like, oh, I'm not flexible enough, or yoga is more for the female, or I wouldn't want to go to a yoga class because it's full of women and I'd feel uncomfortable, sort of. But yet you say that you've managed to speak to some of your clients and actually refer your clients on to some of Neil's classes. And you do have clients that do practice yoga. So I don't feel these sorts of sensations when I go to yoga classes. I don't think twice about it. But being a guy and you also talking to guys about yoga too, have you seen any sort of common patterns that arise when it comes to chatting to your male clients or even your male friends when it comes to talking about yoga and maybe encouraging a guy to step on a mat? and give yoga a try Mm. have you noticed any patterns of what sort of remarks or let's say concerns or fears or limiting beliefs that come up absolutely the one you just said about not flexible enough to do yoga is definitely one that comes up and then i always say if that's the best reason to do it then but uh, like i'm not the most flexible either but i still love the practice and get so much out of it um that's the beautiful thing about yoga is that there's so many options and it's more sympathetic to your body. So you start in a posture or a pose with something basic and easy. And then if you want more, you can change to this position or move this to increase some intensity. So there are point any level can start and do yoga and get something from it. But as for the men and yoga, scenario i've definitely noticed over the last couple of years a lot more men are open to it mm-hmm. a lot more men are saying oh yeah i've always wanted to do yoga i feel like I'd, I'd be keen to do that i'd be keen to try and i feel in the past maybe the stigma around yoga has been more feminine and more of a feminine thing and i've noticed that whether it's just in the western culture that a lot of men are maybe afraid to get into their bodies to experience the flow of yoga and even though it could be arguably considered 
more feminine, even if it is, men need to experience that feminine side as well to live in, a, live in harmony with themselves. So I think it's a beautiful thing. It's just like duality, like the yin and yang. You need to be able to experience that as well. And there are so many different types of yoga these days and so many different types of people teaching it. Got to find someone you resonate with. Yeah. And did you find it beneficial having a male yoga teacher? Do you think that slightly changed? And when and if you have had female teachers, have you noticed a difference in terms of the amount of guys that show up to a yoga class, whether it's a male teacher or a female? Personally, I haven't. Yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it. Maybe just the approach. I would say Neil is, I don't know whether it's just because it's him or it's got anything to do with the fact that he's a man, but he is very well-spoken and very well-articulated. And that's not to say women aren't at all. Mm. But I would say it's more to do with him him as a teacher. You know, pinpointing out, in the class individuals who might need help and yeah. he'll actually come around and if you're comfortable um with it he'll show you where to move your body and i really value that in his classes he's just to the point and describes things so clearly and it's a, a beautiful thing but i've done quite a few other classes as well and i just love going to different places to get a bit of a different essence i suppose you just get with a female teacher, depending on their own personality as well, you get a bit more of a feminine, more nurturing kind of atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. So a softer approach is what you've witnessed and experienced through the female teacher versus a male teacher. Yeah, but in saying that, yeah. I experienced that in Neil's class as well. Because he's very- That's interesting because I'm trying to think, I've had, oh God, I'm trying to think where I was now. This was over in New Zealand and I went to Spirit Fest and I can't remember what this guy's named his yoga, but I'm trying to think back to what his teaching style was like and whether or not that his was more direct. I've been predominantly taught mm-hmm. by female teachers and like I said, the only sort of male teacher that I can really think of is this guy over in New Zealand. He definitely knew his stuff mm-hmm. and he was very simplistic, so simplistic. Yeah. And actually, because he made it so simplistic, weirdly enough, I was definitely engaged with what he had to say because it was so understandable. And I think that's maybe something that can be quite intimidating for some people wanting to step on the mat. Yes, 100%. And really not understand what the teacher's saying. Yeah, they don't understand the lingo and all this other stuff. Yeah, and so making it, simplistic makes it really accessible to anybody and I think for me yeah being a yoga teacher that's something that I would like to portray in my work it's how can I a bit like what you're saying about Neil he explains things so well and he's very articulate that's something that I know that as a person as a yoga teacher I know that I need to get so much better at and not everyone's going to know yoga lingo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing yeah. that people, anybody, whoever you are, it can be intimidating having yoga teachers using the Sanskrit 
names of these poses instead of yeah. a basic name. Yeah. I think it's more easy to understand an English name for the pose versus a Sanskrit pose, which is yoga lingo. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, just um, like using use language to describe the action that you're doing in that pose in a simplistic way. And then you can still teach people what that pose is called like yeah. while you're doing it. But in order to get there and explain how to get there, it's better to keep it simple, isn't it? Absolutely, completely. Yeah, well, it's just like when we're teaching apprentices or people that are up and coming in the industry, same go for when we're teaching a haircut. Again, it comes down to simplicity. So easy to make things sound so complicated when you can break it down into such small segments, but yet such simple instructions. It makes all the difference when it comes to learning. And we all learn very differently. Yeah, I feel like that's so differently. So if we can keep it, simple because that's the best way we can exchange information and knowledge and with each other and teach mm. each other then that's the best way we're gonna keep keep uplifting each other because otherwise we can get caught up in our own self-importance of using fancy words and which I'm guilty of myself I think we all do it right at some point uh, it's yeah. that little bit of an ego hit for us right yeah for sure Absolutely. I love it. Mm-hmm. I really want to dive into you going on these men's retreats. There's actually a couple of angles that I want to go into, actually. And I know it's yeah, slightly cool. diverting from what we're talking about around the education side and simplicity and everything like that. What I want to cool. touch base on is how through your yoga practices and being in the hair industry, and then at some point over the last few years, you looked into doing things such as men's retreats so Mm -hmm. I'd love to sort of take a bit of a dive into that to finish things off and look at first of all at what point within your barbering career did you start to look at men's retreats was part of you being within the hair industry something that instigated you to think more consciously about your well-being and how did you get involved with the men's retreats yeah, well, first of all, I feel being a barber has definitely helped me realise how important it is to look after my lifestyle, well-being, fitness and health. Because if I don't, as we covered earlier, because it can be a performance-based job where we're socialising, if we're not on top form, it can be really challenging. If we're not looking after ourselves, it it can be really challenging. So when I was in my first, I think I was probably about two years into barbering and I was suffering with a lot of nerve pain, like shooting pains in my legs, in my arms, mid, mid to upper back, shooting down my arms to my hands, and then hips to feeling nerve pain in my feet. And I wasn't really doing much yoga at the time. I wasn't really doing any exercise other than cycling to work. So I started going to Cairo and they sort of helped me out for a little bit. And then I realized that I couldn't keep doing that. And they were sort of pointing me in the direction of looking after myself through stretching and 
that's when I started my own practice at home. Started doing a bit more strength training just with body weight stuff at home. And at my old house, we had a gym and a garage. So I got into using that a lot more. And then I got to a point where I haven't had any of that pain ever really since then. I get niggly back pain and stuff after a long week, especially if I haven't done yoga and I've been training. Mm. If I've been doing a lot of that and then not stretching it, I still get some muscular pain, but it's nothing like the nerve pain I was getting. So I, I guess that that's what influenced me to start looking after myself. And I just before I started at Stanford Barbers, after I left the barbershop that I did my apprenticeship at, I was in the first lockdown and I was looking at and curious about things I could do for myself because we weren't able to go away. And I was looking at yoga retreats. I was looking at silent retreats. I was looking at just even a spa retreat or something like that just to get away. And then mm-hmm. I discovered a website for this men's retreat, looking at all the information and what was included. And it sounded right up my alley. And yeah, I decided to pull the pin and book in on that. And that was probably two years ago. And that is what started my journey into men's work mm-hmm. which is a big part of my life now and I'm wanting to delve in deeper into into leadership now in, in that space um, mm-hmm. although I haven't had much experience with that um, I'm being mentor I've had a couple of mentorships and I'm, I'm delve further into that and since that first retreat I went on another one a couple of months later on each of those retreats I came on one of my clients came with me so I was able to bring a client with me on the first one another client who's good friends of mine onto the second one and a couple of camping trips here and there with some of the guys who I've met through those experiences and then another camping retreat last year and then another one this year which Mm. a good friend of mine who I've known for 14 years years and another client of mine booked in on and came to see so it's amazing that I've been able to go on these experiences and other people have been able to notice the impact it's having on my life enough to get themselves involved as well so it feels quite yeah. it feels good to be able to impact people in that sense amazing and for those people that don't know what a men's retreat is if somebody was to wanting to sign up to a men's retreat sort of what could they expect to find on on a men's retreat what did you experience yeah what's involved is support and encouragement no one's there to fix each other but it's a weekend to provide support and encouragement on wins and challenges it's a time to really delve deep on asking the deeper questions maybe some limiting self-beliefs, maybe some childhood things that you haven't addressed, maybe things in your relationship and in yourself you avoid. Really delving deeper on understanding masculine and feminine polarity and in ourselves and in our relationships and what we can do to improve that. Understanding masculine archetypes, where we might be living in the shadow. Uh, where we might be playing the victim and not taking responsibility. That's sort of the emotional side. 
which I would throw breathwork into that category as well. Like mm. there's lots of different words for this type of breathwork that we do. It could be transformative breathwork or biodynamic breathwork. It's, it's a type of breathwork that allows you to really access a part of yourself and move through pent-up stress, emotion and trauma from your past and really heal those parts of yourself that you may be avoiding. So that's a huge part of the retreat, a breathwork practice, because you've got all the stuff that you're learning that could be information overload, but then you're putting it to practice with the body and the nervous system and really able to move through and release some of the, the things that get stored there. And then there's a big physical aspect as well. So you've got the, the emotional and mental side, I was just sort of explaining, and then the physical side of things where we were tapping into the warrior archetypes and getting into a bit of team games. We were divided in teams for the weekend and we played some team games that really got everyone together working in team spirit we played a bit of touch rugby we're also getting into a bit of boxing as well so one of the guys was able to facilitate some boxing so we paired up in the beginning and did a bit of shadow boxing just mucking around getting in close proximity with each other playing sort of games with clinching as well. So we're just trying to hold each other sort of round the back of the head and each person's trying to get the upper hand, just trying to have a bit of fun with that, our partners. And then a big part of the boxing was stepping up into some ritual combat. So this is done in a, a very safe and loving way. And it's especially good for anyone who's not really had a chance to step into or learn anything about ethical conflict, so especially if they've sort of shied away from that or that's something that they always really fear. We got together in a circle and then any man, no one's obliged to whatsoever, but if any man wanted to step into some physical combat with somebody, they could. They'd put their mouth guard in and put some boxing gloves on you know, state their reason, sort of stepping into the middle. For me, it was growing up with sisters and I never really had that rough and tumble that, that boys need. And I've felt growing up, if I ever get in a little scuffle or play fight with my friends, it would I'd always be quite triggering because I wouldn't really know how to be playful with it. Or I never really found my boundaries with it. And I believe it's learning how to to do that in a safe and controlled environment is a very healthy release of anger and frustration. Mm. And you step in, state your reasons, and then someone else might step in and start state their reason for challenging you. And yeah, and you decide on a percentage of how hard you want to go at each other, whether it's just body shots or headshots included as well. And yeah, just go three rounds with each mm. other and see how you go. And that was awesome. That was a really powerful exercise and you could see some of the guys who had never really stepped in and challenged themselves in that way. Had That was a huge exercise for them. They moved probably, it's for me, they moved through a lot. So yeah, that was an awesome day. And we were doing yoga every morning. 
guy named Cam Watkins was facilitating our yoga. So going back to doing men doing yoga, that was the first time I've been in a room with nearly 30 men and a, man, man, a male teacher teaching yoga. So that was actually a beautiful thing wow. to, to witness. And there's some videos of the retreat and you'll be able to see us all all practicing. And yeah, mental, emotional, what else were we up to? We all got together in our teams for the weekend and we were required to come up with a meal for the group. So yeah, before the retreat even started, we would get together in a WhatsApp group and decide what we were going to make. And that was a beautiful part of the retreat, actually getting together, coming together over food and like creating a beautiful meal for each other. And uh, we were camping, so we we're on this beautiful land as well. It's just a, what someone could expect is just the perfect mix of learning tools to regulate emotions mm. and heal from past traumas, learning how to get into the body, learning how to and practice start embodying the masculine archetypes, which are the king, the warrior, magician, and the lover. And uh, yeah, finding connection and community with other men and receive sort of ongoing support because everything keeps going afterwards. We know we've got a beautiful community now that's growing and it's amazing to see this sort of work continue to rise, really. Amazing. So it sounds yeah. incredible, but also sort of a bit intense. But at the same time, how much did you get out of that just by coming together with multiple men and feeling seen and heard in yeah. such an environment that's so safe and not only safe, but there being a non-judgmental area and zone, you know? And I feel within those men retreats, feeling seen, feeling heard, having a safe space, having a place that's non-judgmental, it kind of is a mirror to what we give our clients as well, isn't it? You know, we sure. as barbers give our clients space to feel safe, to feel heard, to feel they're not being judged and giving them the opportunity as well to be able to, let's say, step in to who they are, but just whilst they're sitting in the chair. So yeah, just by you going to that men's retreat and you talking us through what you experience, it's, oh, wow, there's, there's so many places out there and opportunities out there for us as humans to step into that space and the thing is, is not all of us know about these places and many people might have mm. not even heard of maybe a men's retreat. A lot of people wouldn't have even thought about trying yoga for their well-being. And it's just really, really nice to hear that you've managed to find a community that you've managed to go to, particularly when you are myself, a barber where we're constantly serving people. And it's almost like you found a place yeah. where you can be served. And not only that, through that, you've also recently facilitated one of these retreats as well. So it's that exchange of energy. And it's when I think about it, it's everywhere in life, there's always energy and vibrations and frequencies being mm -hmm. sort of either exchanged, shared. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's just amazing at how sort of, you know, we can find ourselves in spaces, this and know that, yeah, that it's out there. And sure. it's all about now, I think for us, both you and I, we are wanting to 
project and shine that out to the universe and be of a lead to say hey this is the sort of thing that you can get involved with and hey this is the sort of thing you can do for yourself for you to make change in your life for you to support your health and well-being you know there's so much out there but actually at the same time at the very beginning of this as both you and I have potentially experienced when we started out doing yoga or whatever there's that vulnerability it's going oh my goodness I've never done this before how do I go about it am I going to look stupid or whatever it might be but knowing that there's so much opportunity out there to go and be with like-minded people and feel a sense of community and I think that's what both you and I are searching for within this industry isn't it it's going you know what you know we are a community and how can we find like-minded people that care about their own well-being not only just their the well-being of their own clients but actually the well-being of themselves because without our well-being without our health how can we serve our our clients so I think it's amazing that you've stepped into that zone and stepping up to your responsibility as a human being going you know what I need to look after myself Mm. for me to be able to look after others and it's a little bit of a um that's exactly what is it you know it's a little bit of a cliche saying isn't it you've got to look after yourself before you can look after others and I think through what you've experienced and you've witnessed that you've gone actually I went to Cairo I went to physio I I do yoga my clients have noticed a difference my friends and family have noticed a difference and now you're doing these men's retreats and you're starting facilitating as well at them it's how empowering is that within yourself and then not only you're empowering Mm. yourself through leading and being facilitated but you're also empowering others your clients your friends the people that come to these retreats so yeah, I take my hat off to yeah. you for stepping into that zone because it's a journey and we're all on this journey Thanks, together, yes. right? So, yeah, I'm really, yeah. really proud for you stepping into that zone. I'm going to take responsibility for myself and I'm going to also help others along the way. So, I just, yeah, want to yeah. acknowledge that and just thank you so much thank for you, sharing Chris. everything that you that have. A lot. It's been lush. Yeah. You're welcome. That's awesome. Man, I just want to, we need yeah. to just see each other in person. <laughs> I know. Yeah, plenty to talk about. It's funny you were saying about the uh, filling up your own way, yeah, like before you look after others. I I do always see it that way. And in the beginning, maybe when I was looking at doing men's retreats, it was maybe to myself and get clearer on a vision of what I want for the future, which I'm still working on, and it's becoming Mm -hmm. clearer and clearer. But as time has gone on through working on myself, I realise that yes, it's important to work on myself for myself, but what's kind of cemented it for me is the significance of how much the work I'm doing on myself will impact generations in the future. Mm. And, you know, I'm taking the, making the choice to change my trajectory of how I want to live mm. and how I want to act and the tools I want to use to stay on track, then passing that on to my children and mm. the community around me, my clients. That's yeah. my friend, Sean, who runs the retreats, who I um, take my hat off to as well. I want to acknowledge for providing the opportunity to be able to step into the space with the retreats and the, the people I've met from doing that in various different other communities as well, is he always talks about the ripple effect. You know, you're helping yourself, and by helping yourself, 
you're significantly helping so many other people and you're healing for seven generations in the past and you're healing for seven generations in the future. It's got a huge impact. Mm, mm. And it's, yeah. It, I mean, it's, do you know why you say seven years in from the past generations and seven years into the next generations? Did you say seven years? Yeah, I'm not sure. To be honest, I'm not sure where that's from. Mm, an interesting one. Maybe I might hunt him down and be right. Jack has yeah. told me that you say this, Sean, and Sean, I want answers. Why do you say seven? <laughs> tell it's him to be prepared. I'm going to uh, hunt him down. It's full of information, and I'll tell him to be prepared. Yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. I love it. Oh, Jack, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been. No worries. I feel we can just. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel we can just keep on chatting and chatting and chatting. And I think the word in terms of generations to come, that's going to go off into a whole new direction and a whole nother conversation for us another time because I'd love to touch base in terms of, yeah, looking at the past, you know, the the history to then leading into the new generations that are up and coming because we can be those that lead those younger generations. So that'd be an awesome Mm. topic to discuss further on but yeah buddy thank you Listeners, so much for taking, for taking out your morning yeah part two <laughs> thanks so much buddy honestly i've loved every minute of chatting with you and hearing your stories it's just really inspiring and also educational as well not just for the listeners but also for myself I appreciate it it's awesome have an appreciate amazing you. day won't you i'll put anybody that you've mentioned into the bio of the episode so then if people want to be referred back to neil you know for yoga sean or oh or yourself and whatever then i'll just put those details in thank you so much jack yeah bye doll if you enjoyed this conversation with jack please do like it share it follow it get it out to the universe please because honestly it's conversations like this that we're going to really start empowering and enhancing the health and the well-being within the hair industry not only for ourselves but for our clients too so oh my goodness you might have also been wondering who the heck is earl well you're just going to have to wait until next week's episode to find out who the heck is Earl. In the meantime, have the most amazing week. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for listening. Join me every Wednesday for a wholeness podcast. I'll catch you real soon. Peace, love and light.